Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning. <laughs> and uh, howdy to anybody uh, listening to this podcast later on. Wish you were here with us. Um, just a reminder, if you want to follow along with uh, today's message, you can follow the outline through your Bible app. Just choose Encounter Church from the events. And uh, as usual, there are also printed outlines available there in the back. Again, if you want to follow along, please do. Um, and I want to ask that as we get into this, media team, don't put it on the screen yet. I mean, that's fine. Don't put the verse on the screen yet, okay? As we continue our year-long theme, every word does anybody know what Matthew 4, 4 says? ¿Lo pueden decir en español? Okay, we can put it on the screen this time. All right, let's go back to English. Pretty good, all right? People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. La gente no vive solo de pan, sino de cada palabra que sale de la boca de Dios. And yes, that happens to be Matthew 4, 4, Mateo 4, 4. And our commitment this year is that we are going to read. Vamos a. Mateo cuatro. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> How many of you are enjoying reading through the Bible? If you're new here at Encounter Church back in January, we started on a journey all together to read through every word of the Bible. How many words of the Bible? Come on, how many words of God are we reading together this year? And we're not just doing it individually, but we're doing it together. And together we're going to read what? Every word. Every word. Who's being encouraged and challenged and inspired by reading every word of God? Yeah. I, I'm, I've been loving it. This is, I can't even remember how many times I've read through the Bible. This is probably at least the, uh, the uh, at least a dozen, probably at least 15 times reading through the whole Bible. And I can, I can say every time I do it, new and wonderful things pop out, right? It's fresh every time. It never gets old. In fact, every time I go through it, it just keeps on getting better, Right? And so I want to encourage you, those of you that are reading through the Bible, just keep on keeping on. And those of you that aren't, get started. And when we finish in December, guess what we're going to do in January? We're going to start again reading through the Bible. So I want to encourage you with that. You know, and, and we've been looking on most Sundays at things that we either just recently read or we're about to read. And today is going to kind of be a little more of that. Uh, in fact, a little bit is going to be some review but also we're going to jump ahead a little bit. Is it okay to jump ahead a little bit? 
I like jumping ahead because then when you actually get to read it, you kind of already have a little bit of perspective, okay? So we're going to review a little bit, and we're also going to jump ahead. But first, hey, have you ever encountered a salesperson that just wants to sell you something? Have you ever encountered a salesperson that really all they want is just to make the sale, right? They couldn't care less about you and your needs. They just want to check off the next sale on their list to meet their quota, right? You ever felt like just someone in the list to meet their quota? Have you, have you ever, though, encountered someone who actually seems to truly have your best interest at heart and that really, really, really just wants to help you find what you need? Yeah? I didn't get many yeses on that one. You're still thinking about the last car salesman you encountered, right? You know, the car can barely run, but this is, you got to get this one right now today. Sign on the line right now, right? Just to make the sale, just to meet the quota. He said, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, last Sunday we started learning about this whole idea, this whole perspective of living on Mission, right? Living on mission. And I told you guys we're going to take a few weeks to develop this and really get it in our heart and in our mind. That's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to develop this thought uh, process, this perspective, this principle uh, today and over the next few weeks. And, you know, we asked ourselves last week, how do I live a good news lifestyle, right? Not just to know the good news or to share the good news here and there, but to live a good news lifestyle. And we're going to continue over the next few weeks with that. So this is Living on Mission Part 2. Let's just take some time to review and expand, okay? Is that okay? How many of you were here last Sunday? How many of you were not here last Sunday? Okay, see, it's always good to review. But I do want to encourage you, last Sunday, we really, really dove uh, deep into this. And it was so good. It was so, so good. And I don't say that because I prepared the message and gave the message. I say that because it was so good for me. It was so, so good for me. It, I've been writing that, that message. I've been writing that this week. And today we want to kind of take a, a, a deeper dive and develop a little bit more. But let's first go back to Matthew chapter 10. We had a little fun with this last Sunday. We're going to have a little bit more fun. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority and power over unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now these are the names of the 12 apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives. And we don't have to read through the list. You know, Peter and John and Judas and them. Okay? Those guys. Okay? Let's, let's jump forward. He, he said, don't go to the Gentiles and do not go into the city, uh, a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And... Oh, some of you knew it already. All right, some of you are ready. And, oh, remember when I pause, you read the next phrase, all right? And, and, to those on my right, and, those on my left, and, those in the middle, and, come on, everybody together, and, as you go. 
as you go. What are you seeing in your mind when you think the phrase, as you go, as I go? Where do you go? Everybody said Publix. To, like, yeah, to get some chicken, right? That's Costco, gas station, work. Hope you go to work. Whew. Where else do we go? School, church. Where else do we go? The park, Six Flags. I like that one. As you go, where else do we go? Nobody said a really important one. I go to eat. I go to eat some tacos and some wings and some barbecue and some curry. And some ramen. And some sushi. And some black-eyed peas. And collard greens. Had some of that yesterday. Where else do we go? Everybody says Chick-fil-A. <laughs> As you go, preach. Notice it doesn't, Jesus, it doesn't tell them, go and preach. He tells them, as you go, preach. You don't need a predetermined platform. You don't even necessarily always need a predetermined plan. Just as you go, preach, right? Preach what? Saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely. 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 As you. Freely. And. And, 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 come on, let's go back. And, and, freely, and, freely, and as you freely, as you go, freely give. We okay today? Turn to somebody and say, go and give. Another way we said it last week is... As you go, get what you have. As you go, 
Give what you got because you can't give what you don't got. So don't worry about what you don't got. I know that's not correct grammar, but you know what I'm saying. Don't worry about what you don't got. No te preocupes por lo que no tienes. Don't worry about what you don't got. Oh, but we worry about what we don't got. Could turn to somebody else and say, no te preocupes por lo que no tienes. Or even better, no te preocupes por lo que no tengas. Now turn to somebody else and say, don't worry about what you don't have. Wherever you go, give what you have. Give what you got. We looked at this perspective. I'm going to put it back on the screen. And again, this, this was very important to have a disclaimer. But in reality, we've got to change our perspective here. And it's this. We don't, anybody remember, we don't do missions. We live on mission, right? We don't do missions. We uh, we don't do outreaches. We live reaching out. Right? Come on, we don't have to go fishing. We are fishers of people. And again, it's not that we don't do missions. It's not that we don't do mission trips. Uh, like, like we looked at last week, we just did one. We're preparing for another one already. Anybody ready for the next one? All right. And it's not that we don't plan specific times and places to go strategically do outreach in our community. We do. We just heard in, in, in our, in our uh, welcome time, in our announcement time, that we have a whole week of outreaches coming up that we're planning, right? But mission trips... And planned outreaches should be the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae, right? The cherry on top of the banana split. The salsa on the taco. The extra hot buffalo sauce on the wings. We don't do missions, we... We live on mission. It's very different. Outreach should not be a religious activity, but a way of life. The way we live our life, right? It changes our perspective from I do things for Jesus to I live for Jesus. I don't just do things for Jesus. I live for him. I don't just do things in order to fulfill his mission. I live my life on his mission. And our concluding thought last week was this. We already said it. Wherever you go, get you what you have. 
Wherever you go, give what you have. Y'all, the gospel is a gift. Yes. The gospel is a gift, not a gimmick. It's very important. We must not see sharing the gospel, leading people to Jesus as a product we're trying to sell. Or even as a result, we're trying to achieve. But as a gift, we've been given. And we absolutely must give it away. Y'all okay? Has anybody received the good news? Has anyone through the good news of Jesus received a gift? What have you received? Come on. I don't know about you. I'm with Chandra. I've received freedom. I've received forgiveness. Anybody receive forgiveness? I've received joy. I've received peace. I've received purpose. Have you? I've received a gift. And it was a gift. It was free. We must not view the sharing of the gospel, soul winning, right? Leading people to Jesus as a product we're trying to sell or a result we're trying to achieve. The gospel is a gift, not a gimmick. Come on, tell somebody that the gospel is a gift, not a gimmick. Come on, just do this. Come on, say, the pressure is off. The pressure is off. Oft. It's a new word. That's more than off. Oft. Off. I keep trying to rephrase this for it to stick. In my own mind, the more I think of it, the more I pray it, the more I try to communicate it, I, I keep trying to just say it in different ways so that it sticks in there. Because the Bible says we are transformed into new persons by changing the way we think. When our perspective changes, our, the way we feel about things changes. And the way, and when we, the way we feel about things changes, our behavior changes. The, the key to a change of behavior is at first a change of, of perspective, right? We got to see things differently. We aren't selling anything. 
We're giving away something truly free. Because look, this, this changes it. This takes the pressure off, right? Because when you're selling something, you are under compulsion. It's like you have to get it done. I've got to get it done. I've got to make the sale, right? Like the salesperson that all they want is to make the sale, right? When we look at it as, some, as, as a product we're trying to, to, to sell or, or, or even an idea we're trying to get people to buy into. That puts us under pressure. But when we look at the gospel as a free gift we have received and everything we've received from the gospel, then it motivates us to just go and freely give it away. And Jesus told the 12, you're going to be my special representatives. We just read that, right? And what I'm telling you to do is what you freely received, go and give it away. Go and freely give it to other people. And, you know, I know we've said this a couple of weeks in a row, but I'll say it again. What if some people don't want it? It literally, truly is their loss. We have nothing to lose. But listen, if we don't share the free gift, both they have everything to lose and we lose a great opportunity and joy. If you've never shared the good news, you haven't experienced the kind of joy I'm talking about. There's something about sharing the good news with someone else that brings a joy that nothing else can. Because you know you've just given someone the very best thing they could ever get. The gospel is a gift, not a gimmick. And you know what our job is, really? You know what our job is? You know what we're really after? We just want to persuade people to receive the free gift. That's all it is. The free gift of redemption. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to develop this a little bit more today. We're going to read through verses 11 through 21. Come on, somebody say, I don't do missions. I don't do outreaches. I don't do things for Jesus. I live on mission. I live reaching out. I live for Jesus. Come on, let's say it with a different emphasis. Come on, let's put a different emphasis on a different syllable. Ready? I live for Jesus. Come on, I want you to say it. I don't want you to see it as you say it. Ready? I live for Jesus. Think about everywhere you go and everything you do and every person you interact with. Your sphere of influence, as big or small as it may be. Everywhere you go, 
we learned about last week, our oikos, right? All the people that we, that are part of our life environment, right? All the people we live around and interact with on a regular basis. All the places we go frequently. Don't realize sometimes, a lot of us don't realize that we have constant, regular interaction with hundreds of people. Many of them you know their names, many of, you, many of them you don't even know their names, but you know their face, and they know you. And they're watching. Right? Can you see those people? Think about where you went this past week. Listen, I know I'm taking time with this. It's on purpose. Think about everywhere you went this last week. You remember where you went Monday? Probably not. Okay. Do you remember where you went yesterday? Friday? Thursday? No. All right. Two is the max. <laughs> That's okay. Remember, try to remember some of the faces you could recognize that you saw this week at the grocery store, at the gas station, at the coffee shop, at school, at work, in the neighborhood, walking around the block, at the park, on the beach. I wish I could, my oikos could be on the beach. But we're talking about people that we that live around us and we live around them. Neighbors, co-workers, classmates, clients, teachers. Can you see any of them? This is going to be very important here in just a minute. Can you see them? Do you see them? Can you see them in your mind right now? I can see them. I know a lot of their names and others I don't know, but I know them. I, 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 we've connected before. Maybe just made my coffee. Maybe just rang me up at the register. Maybe just served my food at the restaurant. Maybe just annoyed me in traffic. Can you see them? Now I want you to say, I live for Jesus. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5. Because we understand our fearful, we're going to do the same thing as last week. When I pause, you say the word of the phrase. Ready? Because we understand our fearful to the Lord. We to. I'm going to read it again. Let's start from the top. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Let's continue. God knows we're sincere. And I hope you know this too. I hope the people that I live around know that I'm sincere. 
and we are commending ourselves to you. Are, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Listen to me. Do not promote yourself. Just be sincere. Let people, when they really get to know you, be pleasantly surprised rather than quietly disappointed. Do not project an image of yourself that's not real or that's bigger than. Listen, I'm just going to say this. People ask me, people have have encouraged me in this modern world that everything is social media. You know, sometimes, you know, you, ought to, you got to get yourself out there. You got to promote yourself. You got to, you got to share, your, share your words and, your, and, 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 and kind of make a name for yourself is the idea, right? I'll do it for those on this side. <laughs> listen, I'm not saying don't put things on social media. I do that. But listen, there's a big difference. When someone's just tooting their horn, their own horn. Promote. What's the word? Projecting something that's more than or greater than reality. Let's go back to the scripture because that's better. It just says it. Go back one slide. Thank you, Jonathan. Are we commending ourselves again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Come on, let's just pray this. Lord, help me stay sincere. If it seems we are crazy... It's to bring glory to God. And if, it's, and if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Come on, say again. I live for Jesus. Christ's love, come on, say. Christ's love controls me. Come on, let's go back. I live for Jesus. Christ's love controls me. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Come on, say, I Live for Jesus, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We're going to come back to that here in a minute. Y'all better be, you just, uh, you just better be ready. All right. 
At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is adios, and a new life has begun. And all of this is a, all of this is a, all of this is a, a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. Has anybody been brought back to God through Christ? If you haven't today, you can come back to God. And if you used to be close to God, but you're not anymore. Today you can come back close to God through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Oh, he's given who? Us. The task of reconciling people to him. I thought, gee, that was Jesus' task. It was. He already did his part. It is finished. It is complete. But those who have now been given the task of reconciling people. See, now Jesus' spirit is in the world, moving throughout the world. But guess through whom he moves? Bible says we're the what of Christ. <laughs> that was funny. Everybody gave a different answer. Jesus don't got a body no more in the earth. Where's his body? How can people see Jesus? Through us. The reason we saw the Father is because he manifested in a human body, Jesus. And the way now the world can see Jesus is through the what? The body of Christ. It's our task. Now let's go back to the scripture. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his, his what? Appeal through us. So I thought he was making his appeal through angels or through circumstances or through prophecy or even through the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying God doesn't use those things, but the message comes through, the appeal comes through, through whom? Through us. We speak for Christ. Wow. You ever spoken for someone else? Have you ever been entrusted to deliver a message? So-and-so said, hey, mom said. Huh. How many of us did that one? We speak for Christ when we what? When we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. 
Other translations say he made Christ who never sinned to become sin itself. Right? To be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. All right. Are we good? Living on mission, living on mission is an ambassador lifestyle. What is an ambassador? Right. For example, the Russian ambassador to the United States represents all things Russia, right? Like he speaks for Russia. Probably wouldn't want his job right now. But the Russian ambassador to the United States, anything he says represents an entire nation. And we just read, we are ambassadors who speak for Christ. We represent him to the whole world. What do we truly represent? And let's be brutally honest with ourselves. What do I truly represent? What is my lifestyle representing? What does my life and my lifestyle tell people about Jesus? This is one to be really just, not to just think you got the answer and keep on going. Think about it. What, I want you to listen, and I want you to really, don't, 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 don't no-brainer answer it, okay? Because we can give the no-brainer Christian answer. But what am I really trying to persuade people about? Let's make sure it's the right thing. So a lot of Christians out there persuading people about things that aren't necessarily the gospel. I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm not saying they're wrong things. But we ought to be very careful what we're trying to persuade people about. Are we just trying to persuade people culturally, politically, or even just morally? Are we trying, or is our goal to persuade people to be like us culturally, to think like us or vote like us politically, or to just simply have the right morals and values? Listen, I want you to hear my heart and hear God's heart on this. All those things are important, but they are not the message. I promise you that if someone truly receives the gospel, it's going to change the way they think about everything. But listen, my goal is not to just get people to behave well. 
to think the right way about something. I know for sure and I trust in the Lord that if he gets a hold of somebody, they're going to learn to think right. And they're going to learn to see things differently. Because I don't know about you, but the more I get to know him, I think differently and I see things differently. Careful. We represent Christ. All those things are secondary. All those things are secondary. Cultural things are secondary. Political things are even further down airy. Morality, you guys, it's, it's important, but it's not the message. There's a lot of people trying to live moral. There are a lot of people that are not saved, that have not been reconciled to God, who lead good moral lives on their way to an eternity in hell separated from God. So if, my, if my, I'm trying to persuade people just to live right, I can persuade them all the way into eternity in hell. If I'm living my life, if my message is trying to get people to vote the right way, they can vote for all the right people. And their soul be eternally damned in hell. I can get people to adapt and adopt our culture, even Christian culture. But if they have not been reconciled with God through Christ, they are lost. They might agree with you politically. They might be just like your culture. They might have all your same values and be separated from God. We need to be careful. What is it that we are representing about Jesus to the world? Do we want to just get people to think like us? Or do we want people to know the God that we know? Come on, say, I represent Christ. We kind of lay some stuff down, y'all. More people would come to Christ if we live to represent Him. Him, Jesus himself, rather than representing what we think is right. This is something the Holy Spirit spoke to me a while back, and I guess today is the day to say it. I've been just kind of like sitting on it. Okay? I love y'all. God hasn't called you to be right. He's called you to be righteous. 
There's a lot of people who are right and not righteous. The world does not need us to be right. They need to see Christ's righteousness. Now, if we live righteous, we're going we're gonna to be right, okay? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But what is the way I live my life persuading people about Jesus? Let's go to the first word we're going to break down today. We're going to go through ten words, and it's going to be quick. Don't worry. But we're going to go, if we could just go back to the beginning of the scripture, and we're going to read through it again. I'm going to pause at some words. The first one says that because we understand our fear for what? Responsibility to the Lord. Listen, if you are a, I forgot the word for it, mer, not, not marine biologist. What kind of biologist studies reptiles? A reptologist. <laughs> Listen, and you have researched and you have just found, listen, the anti-venom for every snake bite in the world. It's one anti-venom that will cure anyone and everyone ever bitten by a poisonous snake. You've just discovered it, and it works. What would your responsibility be? Toot your horn that you found the anti-venom? Proclaim to the world that you know the secret? That you, listen, that you know what's right. Or to run to every nation, to every people, to people that live in the jungle and get bit by snakes all the time. To every hospital and share that antivenom with others. Listen, that wouldn't just be a good idea. That wouldn't just be kind and benevolent. That would be your responsibility, and if you didn't do it, everybody's blood would be on your hands. The Lord told Ezekiel, I believe, you tell them what I say, and because if you don't, their blood is going to be on your hands. But if you tell them and they don't believe, then it's on them. You guys, we have the anti-venom for every snake bite. We have the cure for sin. And it's a free gift. We don't need to go sell it. We don't need to even we don't even have to make people believe that it works we just have to offer it to them and try to persuade them to listen at least try it i'm going to get to that word here in just a minute in fact no it's not yet it's it's one more but it says 
our responsibility to the world, to the, to the Lord, we work hard. I, let me just say this. Spiritually lazy people won't accomplish much. It takes intentional effort. It takes intentional effort to remember every day, everywhere I go, everything I do, I am a representative of Christ. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. My life is telling everybody around me something about him. And if I'm nonchalant or forgetful about that, I won't accomplish much. That's why he says we understand our responsibility, so we work hard at it. We're intentional about it. We're not lazy about it. And it says, going back to the scripture, we work hard to persuade others. This is an important word. It doesn't say we work hard to convince, but to persuade. What does it mean to be persuaded? Okay, you hear this, this, this um, phrase, they are of that persuasion, right? What does it mean to have a persuasion? It means to lean in a certain direction. To be persuaded means to lean in a certain direction. And you guys, our whole job is to help people lean in the direction of Jesus. We work hard to help people lean in Jesus' direction. To lean towards him and not away from him. And then we get to the next verse that says, This means that anyone who So we have. There we go. <laughs> so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Listen, I told you that we were going to, this, this was the one I said, just, just, just open your heart to this. We, must, see, every person, as an eternal soul, imago Dei. An eternal soul created in the image of God. We need to stop just evaluating people as rich, poor, black, brown, white. conservative, liberal, 
citizen, immigrant. Nice, mean, beautiful, uh, not so beautiful. Young, old, in the middle, exciting, boring. Introvert, extrovert, has a lot in common with me, has nothing in common with me. Every human is an eternal soul created in the image of God. And that image has been broken and lost and destroyed by sin. And every human is in need of the restoration of the image of God in them. You know what we call that? Redemption. In case you've forgotten, you've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. Everything I am, I am by the grace of God. And I, I love that it says, let's go back to that scripture. Thank you. We just need to stop. Stop evaluating people just from what you see on the outside. And start evaluating people rather than just from a human exterior point of view and look for the image of God in every human being. That person that's really nice to you, that person that's really mean to you, that person that's a lot like you, that person that's really different from you, that person that probably voted for all the same people, that person that probably voted totally opposite from you, that person that's really happy about the Supreme Court right now, that person that's really angry about the Supreme Court right now, that person that doesn't speak your language. That person that looks down on you. That person who believes themselves superior. Come on, let's get real. That person that has mistreated you even. That person that is just totally annoying. That person that is sad and depressed. That person that at least looks really happy. That person that likes Chick-fil-A. That person...
that person who hates guns, that person who has 27 of them, packing at least two at a time. Don't, don't start shouting now. Stop. We must stop evaluating people based on those things. Because all of them and me and you are invited to be reconciled to God. Well, if they get reconciled like I've been reconciled, they'll learn to think the way I think. Maybe, maybe not. Last time I checked, there's this wonderful helper called the Holy Spirit. And he's the spirit of truth. And it says, Jesus said, he'd lead us into all truth.
Thank you.